Nissner makes a nice move in across the line, drops it back, connected, connected, past the shot, they score! Oscar Lindblom buries it! And the power play goal ties this game in two! This is episode 67 of the Liberty L. Danny Deemer back with Chris Stompo. As always, what's up, buddy? Dude, actually, you know what? Today kind of sucked with all the injuries that we had and the mm. injury updates that we had, but for the most part... It's going well. I'm glad to be back on this podcast. I'm glad that preseason's getting underway here. Today definitely sucked, now that I really think about it. Hayes being out for 68 weeks. I mean, I guess the Sam Morin injury is is quote-unquote good, if you kind of think about what we got a day and a half ago. I mean, I thought that kid's career was over not even 24 hours ago, so it's good to hear. I mean, it's not good to hear that he got surgery, but it's good to hear that he'll only be out six to eight weeks, but... Allison being out indefinitely is a huge hit. I mean, that really sucks. He was one of the one of the guys that I was really looking forward to going into main camp. I mean, he had an awesome rookie camp, and then he got hurt towards the end of the second game, I believe. Yeah, everyone loves Allison. And the way AV, like his tone of voice when he was describing his injuries, like whenever someone says indefinitely, whenever the doctors say out indefinitely, it's going to be a while, broke my heart. Yeah, I didn't like heart. the way he was saying that. The way AV kind of, like you said, answered that question made it seem to me, at least, that Allison is going to be out towards like the longer side of that out indefinitely, which is not good news at all. It's a huge blow. I mean, like he was the guy that Flyers Twitter was going to cling on to this this camp and you can't blame him i mean the, he fought that rookie game he fought a guy that was four inches taller than him brought him to the ground he has heart he has everything that we need a shot heart grit everything so if, to see a guy like that who's been through injuries before go down again it really sucks i'm actually really glad i wasn't there to see that because i know our boy chris mayer was there and uh he said he like couldn't even watch the third period because all he was thinking about Allison and like the way he left the ice was just like crawling off. He couldn't put any any pressure on that right leg, which sucks. But hey, next man up, so we'll see where things go. Dude, the way the injury happened, like it's such a freak injury. The way he just like rolled over, kind of yeah. twisted up like a pretzel. Uh, those are the most disgusting ones. Just just being physical, going hard into the. Uh into the corners just playing his game too it sucks that he goes down like that it really does like you said battled injuries in the past same with sam warren like it's just heartbreaking all around and Hayes, i mean you got to feel for that guy dude that guy's been through so much already and now this it did my first thought honestly was like 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 my heart ached for Hayes because i knew that he was going to use this season and especially this training camp like this action of hockey of coming to really get his mind off things you know what I mean? And yeah. now that's just now that's just kind of stripped away from him. So like when he texted AV and said, "I still want to be around the team," I feel like to me that's just him saying like, "I still want to try to get my mind off things and just focus on hockey, even though I can't play." Oh, and that, um, absolutely. Honestly, got me emotional. It's a huge loss on and off the ice, and the fact, like you just said, that he texted AV and he still wants to be a part of the team is is huge. And I don't think it's huge not only for the Flyers and having a guy like Kevin Hayes still in the locker room and still in meetings and still being there for the young guys, especially a guy like Morgan Frost is going to be thrown into a, a pretty big role here after missing a year. But not only is it good for the Flyers to get a to still have a guy like Kevin Hayes in the building, but like you said, it's good for Kevin Hayes to, to still keep busy 
I mean, it, we all know this was a terrible, terrible summer for Kevin, and our prayers are still with him and his family. But like you said, just having something to kind of just get him through what he's been going through. I mean, he loves hockey. He loves being around it. So the fact that he was still so eager to, to be willing to be around the guys and show these young guys how to how to mesh with these these new players. I mean, he knows Cam Atkinson. He knows Keith Yandel. So he, he was a huge component for me at least going into this camp like okay Kevin Hayes is kind of going to be kind of a, a a messenger or a barrier if you will where, where guys like Yandel and and Atkinson can kind of just filter their their newfound chemistry through him okay like how, how do things work here Kevin tell me in the way that like you know how to tell me you know what I mean like it's, maybe yeah, like break me, it down for him like yeah, a friend yeah like me going to say you played on team and, and me, I went on the team random, uh, randomly, and I would go to you to show me how to show me how to get to to this room or this room. You know what I mean? And I know you would know how to tell me. You know what I mean? Like just stuff like that. And I looked at Kevin Hayes as such a huge component of that with guys like Agassiz and guys like Keith Yandel. And now it's not really going to be there on the ice, but it's good knowing that he'll be there off. Absolutely, and I want to get into rookie and development camp in just a second, but before I do that, I want to cover the signings that we missed over the time we were absent. Um, yeah, let's do it. Our last episode was titled Waiting on Sanny. Sanheim is now signed to a two-year deal worth $4.6 million AAV. Um, another bridge deal for Sanheim. His last deal was also a bridge deal. How do you feel about that? I mean, at first I thought it was a little bit too much, but honestly, looking back at it, I don't think it's that. I mean, I we knew he was going to get a pay raise. I didn't know how much it was going to be. 4-6 obviously isn't breaking the bank, but it's another bridge deal for him. It's another go out there, prove it. I mean, he's been playing top four minutes for the last two years, so you knew he was going to get something, but he also knew he didn't play well enough to earn anything more than five. I mean, I'm sorry, not five. Anything more than four. Uh, anything more than what he got. Anything in the morning... Anything more than what he got, he probably wouldn't have deserved. So, like you said, another bridge deal, another opportunity for Sanheim to go out there and prove that he's worth more than what he, uh, than what he's currently making. We all see the talent that he he displays sometimes. The way he can jump up into the play, his skating ability is just you don't see it a lot in uh, defensemen, especially for how big he is. He's still only 25 years old, so there's room for him to grow. I like it. Hopefully we'll see him paired with either Risto or Ellis to start training camp. We'll see. What yeah, init- initially I thought it was a little high as well, yeah. but after I mean the way the defensive market played out and seeing what guys got on like seven, eight year deals, I mean it's no surprise that as someone who's um, subtracting all those years, only taking two years, is going to get a little pay bump like that. I'm not too mad about it now. Uh, Derek Broussard, depth forward signing, center and wing flexible. He was a uh, veteran minimum. Eight hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars annually. Um, familiar, I like this one as well. Familiar with AV as well, so just another guy who is just familiar with the kind of coaching style that AV wants. He know he, he knows what AV expects, especially going in the camp, and he's another solid depth signing. Like you said, we didn't spend too much for him, and he's still a good player. So I think he's going to be a fine bottom six addition for us. I mean, we're we're already. Uh, kind of needing him now so with Hayes out Allison out for for a while he's definitely going to be in the lineup Thompson's definitely going to be inside the lineup Frost well, we'll get to it later but we're already depending on these signings so I like it 
I like Broussard. I, I yeah. think he had a good season with Arizona. Arizona as a team just isn't really good. So not the best season in the world, but I mean, he's at the tail end of his career. I only signed for like that minimum, but I, I like what he brings on off the ice. I like that the fact that like him and AV know each other. He knows AV style, and he's not a new player coming into camp. Like he's not going into to Thursday not expecting what to happen. You know what I mean? He knows yeah, exactly what to expect. He already been through a ton of AV camps. He's not a guy, even a guy who would be a veteran, but has never played for AV before coming into camp. Wouldn't really know what to expect, but Broussard does, and I think that really does matter. So we're gonna need him. He's probably gonna be playing somewhere in that bottom six, whether it's the center position or the the wing. But we're gonna need him. So a solid signing for for AV. But he's gonna get a lot of bang for his buck if he's playing a lot of games this year. Off the bat, in his press conference, he made mention of how when the Islanders acquired Pajot, he was able to go to the wing with ease, and he's flexible. He just likes to know where he's at. Yeah, he but he can that. play either or, and that's really really good to know, especially in a case like now where Frost is gonna come in and get a big center roll off the start probably and when a guy like Hayes comes back being able to slot Broussard on the wing I think is is genius by Chuck um a couple re-signings that I'm not sure that we talked about Farabee and Couturier I don't think think we we talked about either one of those um Joel Farabee gets re-upped for six additional years at five million you gotta love that baby come on dude that one's perfect and I, I remember saying to you I forget who, I think it was uh, Tolvanen signed for Nashville, mm-hmm. and me and you were like, wow, I wonder what Farabee's going to get if this guy got that with only 40 NHL games played. I, th- I think he had, uh, like, I think he was like .5 a game, right? Didn't he have like 20 points in 40 games and yeah, he got yeah. like close to 5 mil? 22 points in, the, yeah, it's something. But the the amount of years that Tolvanen got does not match up to what Joel got. What Joel got, 5 you said? 6. S- 6 at uh, 5 million a year, and Tolvan, I think he got what, a two-year deal versus for five, I think, I, I believe. But, yeah, I mean, if you look at it in terms of what, how many points Joel's put up over him, I mean, he was leading our, our team in goals last year. I mean, he, it's, yeah. That contract could be a two-year contract in less than a year, easily. I mean, if Fairby comes back, I mean, honestly, could it be that, con- that kind of contract in – like December, if Farabee hops right into this year and doesn't stop what he was on last year, I mean, five million a year for that kind of player, he's only going to continue to get better. He's only twenty-one years old, and if that season last year, leading the team in goals, is not his best year, look out. I mean, that is a hell of a contract. I really like it. Let's go. Seeing the way RFAs have been breaking the bank ever since Mitch Marner held out, yeah, it's a uh, it's kind of scary whenever you get a guy who pops off on his ELC because they get paid now. It was never used to be like that. They never used to get big paydays like they do now. And to see a guy like Farabee locked up for that long for five mil, when I know it's a flat cap, but with the ESPN deal going up, I mean he already still has one more ELC year, so it's like seven years left on his deal. By the end of that, the cap's going to be in a point where $5 million is nothing for a player like Farabee, in my opinion. And Sean Couturier, this this is a work of art. I wanted to cry when this got announced. (laughs) Real off topic, real quick. Me and Mark went to the Phillies game the other other day, and we were sitting 
before the game, having a couple of beers, and we were talking about this contract. Fair, not fair, but Sean Couturier took less money. I he said it in his press conference after he signed the contract. He, like he was, I didn't want to break the bank because I want this team to build around me. Like, what a selfless, what a selfless player, man. Like I feel like people aren't talking about that enough. Like what a guy. You know what I mean? Like I feel like you don't see professional athletes. You, you see more hockey players do it a lot more than any other uh, sport, but you don't see it much. You really don't. And for a guy to, to to come out and say that, like I took less money for my team to be better, is what he is, is what he said. And I future captain, seriously, if if Wenger retires and Sean Couturier is still on this team, he's my captain, man. I what a what a fucking player. What a guy, honestly. He also mentioned Chuck's moves and how Chuck had like a really win now bias this offseason. He could really see, like, he's really excited about the moves he made. And everyone said that. Like, it's so nice to know that guys want to be here. They want to play here. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like something like that, a selfless act like that from a, a top guy. I mean, Couturier wears the A. He doesn't have the C, obviously. But when you see a player of Sean Couturier's caliber do something like that and then come out into the public and then say it. It's one thing to see a player take that contract and then not come out and be like, yeah, I took that contract because I want the team to build around me because I want to be better. But I feel like a snowball effect happens after you see that. Like Claude Giroux turns around next offseason. He signs here. What, like, what kind of pay cut is he going to have? Is he going to take? Because he's not he's not worth more than Sean Couturier is worth at this point in his career. So, like you said, it's going to set the tone for when he signs his contract. And then Morgan Frost is going to be due next year, either, um, too. I'm not going to say he's going to be knocking the door banging for the amount of money that uh, Couturier or Giroux would be. But I'm just saying it sets the tone, like you said, for the entire organization, seeing guys of – Couturier and hopefully Drew Stature take pay cuts and be like, hey, I want to win. Let's take less money. Let's build this team and let's go. It's, it's how you win. You win off ELCs. Me and you talk about it all the time. You can win off really good value off ELC contracts. This situation, Couturier resigning, it is scary similar, and I've talked about it before, to the Boston Bruins and Patrice Bergeron. Uh, he take a he took a pay cut. I believe he makes like six mil. That entire team. We, me and you went through that team one time. I think we were together when we did it. The amount of money that those players make is insane. Patrice Bergeron makes six point eight. Pasternak makes six six. Marshawn makes six one, and Taylor Hall makes six. Like that's an absolute joke. But that's the way to win in the that's NHL. That's the way to win. And we we talked about it before. Boston is a market where players will come and take less money just to play in Boston. And I feel like that's what... like When people say that uh, players don't want to play in Philadelphia, I can see if that's what they mean. Like I can see their point on that way. Because I do think Philadelphia kind of lost that kind of mojo. Like, we lost the, the player wanting to come here, take less money just to be here kind of thing. You know what I mean? That's what we lost for sure. Did the players want to stop playing in Philadelphia completely? No, that's just the bullshit thing people say. But did the prospect of people coming here, taking like good players coming here to take less money just to be in Philadelphia and play hockey here, did, did that stop? Yeah, that definitely stopped. So need to get back to that. Need to start setting a brand like I'm sure Chuck Fletcher has 
reiterated throughout the entire organization, and I think that's what we're going to see next year, man. I'm hyped. I'm ready to go. Not trying to add fuel to the fire of the Jake Voracek departure, but it's oh, very no. telling to me. I have to, I have to be that guy. It's very telling to me that Sean Couturier, a center, a franchise number one center, a Selkie winning center, takes less money in his UFA deal in the year 2021 than a winger in Jake Voracek did about six, seven years ago. Yeah, have to be that guy. I mean, it's just—it's it, telling. It's just telling to me. It, keep going on that. Elaborate. I like it. I like where you're. No, going. it's just yeah, like how you were saying how he took a pay cut to win, mm-hmm. and how you really like praised him, future captain. This and that. I agree. That that's what Voracek lacked is what what Couture, the qualities, the intangibles that Couturier just displayed to us by signing that deal. That's it, everything Voracek lacked. It is incredibly fascinating to think about the fact that Sean Couturier in going into his unrestricted free agent year in the year 2022 that it was going to be took less money than Voracek did all those years ago. That's absolutely insane to think about. I'm I'm, I'm sitting here Center letting it hit too. me too. It's absolutely insane to think about. But yeah, he he's a blue jacket so you can't go into too much detail about that but that, that, that really is absolutely insane it just goes to show you how, not not good not only how good of a player Sean Couture is but he that dude's a leader he he's a captain without the C on his sweater is what he is man he he's a can't say enough good things about Sean Couture man I, he, I, I think he's gonna be one of those guys that's just gonna age so well because he doesn't rely on speed he doesn't rely on anything like that, he relies on just being a good hockey player. Hockey yeah. IQ, being in the right spots. Stick placement. Stick placement. Stick. Everything like that. Just body placement and just being, just knowing where to be. He is going to be such a good player for such a long time. And the fact that he locked himself up with us until the year 2020. What year is it he locked us up to, until? 2028? 20, 2029, 20, 2030. So he locked oh, us up. 2030. For, he's he's going to be a Philadelphia Flyer for a very long time. So for the I'm rest excited. of his decade, yeah. Probably for the rest of his career. It's awesome. It's awesome. Oh. Ooh, let's go. Jinx right there. Uh, let's go into rookie camp and development camp now because we just got over talking about Broussard and Sanheim and all that good stuff. So we can start getting to, to that, right? Yeah, I guess we'll kick it off with development camp because that's in the rearview mirror at this point. Yeah, sure. But that was very exciting. Our boy Chris Mayer was able to hook us up with some footage of the games. So we were able to see the inside details of what happened, kind of, in a way. And that yeah. was that was awesome. I was really appreciative of that. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, shout out, Chris, for doing that. Now that I'm kind of thinking back and it's all kind of coming back to me, Team Orange won that three-on-three tournament, right? Forrester's squad, I believe. Yeah. And they were going up against Frost's squad. Frost had a couple of really nice plays in that tournament. We're going to get into him very, very soon. But standouts in that development camp for me were obviously Frost, Forrester. Forrester could not miss. Nah. Uh, We'll get into him too. But his shot, talked about on the timeline a little bit with, I think it was Clarky. But his shot is something that can just make up for maybe what he's lacking in physicality or or skating. If he continues to just score the way he's scoring, like it doesn't really matter how 
how choppy of a skater you are. Like, if you can get to the spot and put the puck in the back end of the net, you're going to be on the team quicker than you can believe. If he keeps just scoring, and he's doing it at every level that he's at. He did it in the OHL. We saw him do it as a teenager in the AHL with grown men. He's, I know he was playing against rookies, but, I mean, he he is a – he is a rookie himself. He he's a kid himself. It's not a Morgan Frost situation where he's a twenty two year old grown man, but Forcer, the nineteen year old kid, not missing. Like you said, his shot is absolutely electric. I don't see him going back to the OHL this year, so we'll see what things go when we get into him a little bit later. But like you said, he did not miss the entire camp. Now I'm not saying make the team out of camp, but do you see a scenario with with the length of these injuries that we have? Do you see it like? Suppose it's five weeks into the season and he's just been electric for all five for the yeah. Phantoms. Do you see him getting that call up? Like I just said, if he keeps doing what he's doing and he's scoring goals and we need goal scoring, like if we're struggling with Allison being out and Hayes being out and he's down in the AHL and he's scoring goals, yeah. I mean, that's what exactly what we need. Scoring goals gets you to the NHL. I mean... I think if he has a, like a strong NHL camp, I'm not saying he's going to make the team. I mean, I think he would have to have, like blow the doors absolutely down to make this team out of camp. But I really do think he can make us sit here and be like, okay, he is he about to knock the door down? And then we'll see if he does. But I really do think that Tyson Forrester could, could make us sit here and really think about him potentially knocking the, him potentially making the team. I really do. I really could see that, but I really could see him just going back to the AHL and then just being the guy there, which I think he should happen. Yeah, which I would enjoy to see that because I do think it would be best for him to start down there as well. Um, do you see a scenario with the Morin injury? Do you see any kind of opening now, any kind of ease into a lineup spot for Cam York? Does it get any easier? No, no I mean, I don't... The the seventh defense defensive spot has nothing to do with Cam York in my opinion. I don't know if you have a a different opinion. No, yeah, that. yeah. If it, he would not be in the seventh, if he's not going to no. make a lineup spot, he will be in the AHL. Absolutely, they want him playing games. Yeah. But, that's Adam. But what Lindenny if like spot, Braun and uh, Yandel just aren't cutting it? You know what I mean? Like, do you see a scenario where they put York in a spot where he slots in for a game, and yeah. then they put Yandel in for a game, York in for a game, and then run it by committee? I don't think Yano's going to be the guy that's going to be getting switched out like that. I think if it's, if it's anybody on that bottom pairing, that if they both look shaky, like if Yandel and Braun halfway through this camp, we're looking at each other like, okay, they're not having the best camps for, for guys that should be having good camps because they're veterans. And then York's having a good camp because there's a big possibility that York does have a good camp. He's a good player. He, he's coming into this camp very, very confident. So... I think it would be Braun coming out instead of Yandel. And yet, to answer your question in short term, I do think that if they both struggle and York looks good, that he could definitely win a spot out of camp for sure. I I think the whole point of signing Yandel was to kind of give York a harder path to get there, but not an impossible path. Because if York plays well enough to the point where they have to play him opening opening night, then Braun just slots out, and then he'll just play with Yandel. You know what I mean? So I I like the signing with Yandel because it doesn't completely block him out, but it blocks him out enough to the point where, like, he has to prove himself to be on the team. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I agree. Because I, I remember you saying before, like you think of Morin as the Saturday night against the Islanders, 7 p.m. guy slots in when you need that physical body. Yeah. I wonder with him out of the lineup now, like like I said, with those guys, one of those two not cutting it, if they would consider putting York in. And my fear is that, that they wouldn't put York and Yandel together just because of some stipulation of they're both the same like archetype of player. You know what I mean? Yeah, I could see that, but... Not having Warren in for like the the Saturday night big guy kind of thing, it kind of helps having Rista Linen already in the lineup when it comes to having a big dude who can play against those kind of guys. So having Warren in the lineup when he's healthy, you have two of those guys who can play. So I mean, that just makes it better. But having Risto there does make it a little bit better and. I could see them being a little bit wary about putting Yandel in York, but it's only a third pairing kind of role, and I do think Yandel and York could hold their own together back there. Um, fine. I mean, Yandel's not the best defensively. He does have his hiccups, and obviously York is more of a... I mean, he's a two-way defenseman, but he, his defensive side isn't his best at this point of his career. But I think they would definitely hold their own, but I think you're going to see Yandel Brown to start. Unless they they both look terrible. And then we get to see Chuck Fletcher's first round picks at the Phantoms. AHL pass definitely getting picked up to watch that. Samu Teamala. Yeah, so he could either play in the AHL this year or he could play in the OHL because apparently he's exempt to one of the rules because of where he was drafted because he's from Finland, I think. So he could either go to the OHL and play with the Sudbury Wolves, or he could be in the AHL. Personally, watching the rookie camp, watching the games, I do think OHL would probably best suit him. I don't think he's physically ready to play in the AHL. I still think that he needs to physically mature, be a little bit better on the puck, but the skill is undoubtedly there. The hands, the IQ, the vision, it's all there. The shot, I mean, the wrist shot is... I mean, right on, right underneath Tyson's for being one of the best in the prospect system. Seriously. Allison, Tyson Forrester, and now Tuamala have some of the most wicked shots I've seen. I love the Flyers are kind of stacking up on these kind of guys. But personally, I, I, I would love to go see him play in the OHL this year and get some time with the Sudbury Wolves. I don't think I don't think the AHL is the place for him, at least not this year. Maybe next year if he goes to the OHL, he gets a little bit bigger, he matures a little bit, has a good year there. Then we could talk about the OA- a- AHL, but as far as this year, I think OHL is his, uh, his route. Yeah, I think it would be better to ease him into North American ice that way as well because he's coming in from the European leagues, mm-hmm. and since he was playing against grown men in the European leagues, I would like him to go against kids in the OHL on North American ice where he's going to have to adjust, but he still could dominate against that level of competition. That would be fun to watch. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to see how – how well he plays. Him and uh, Dayernay, obviously, really looking forward to seeing how he plays. A lot of a lot of exciting prospects that we got to watch in that. What was that? That development camp because the rookie camp was even better with those two games. Yeah, the development camp, like we said, Forster couldn't miss. Frost was feeding everyone. I remember that one pass he had that no look to McLennan, that turnaround no look. Like that, that was disgusting. <laughs> that's just confidence right there. Yeah, I mean that's just. That's just frost. That's just frost shit. But uh, the rookie game, the uh, who had the first game? Used to make had the first game because it was really weird. Used to make had the first full game of the first rookie game, and then Erson went 
and then like got pulled halfway through free used to make us. I was really confused of why used to, uh, why Erson didn't get a full game and used to make did the game before. But I, I don't know unless I miss Erson replacing used to make in the first game completely and missed all the tweets. But I don't remember that happening. But I just want to throw it out there before we got into those games. Do you think he had a bad camp? It wasn't playing bad. Like both teams did it. Like it, it, it wasn't one of those like where the coach decided. Like both teams switched their goalies. I don't know if it was like a a, a thing where they agreed on it. Like both teams, were, okay, we're gonna pull our goalies at this time, kind of thing. But I was just wondering why Erickson didn't get the full game. I thought he was playing well. He had a couple of uh, shaky, shaky saves, but overall, I thought he started pretty well that game. Yeah, he's definitely a guy I want to put eyes on. He was one of my top three to to watch, top three storylines going into the camps. No, absolutely. Linus, uh, Linus Sandin is another guy who, in that development camp, was scoring goals, especially in tight. I mean, last season with the Phantoms, he really started to turn it up towards the end of the season. Uh, it took him a little bit to get a little bit accustomed to the North American ice. Like you said, coming over from the European League, it's a little bit harder for those guys. But he really started scoring goals towards the end of the season last year with the Phantoms. And now, development camp, he was scoring goals the same way. Definitely stood out with Frost and Forrester, who's one of those guys. And then come to the rookie game, both games, he really stood out. Really like his nut front presence on the power play. He's a PK guy as well. I really do think he could be a guy that comes into this main camp, and if he has a good camp, he could be a guy that takes that right, that three, number three right wing spot now that Allison's going to be out for a little bit. And NAK, if he said it in his interview today, he needs to see a lot more out of him, especially he needs to stay out of the box, NAK. But I think Sandine, Forrester are just guys that who could be knocking at the door. Obviously, I think Sandine has a lot better of a chance to to make the team than Forrester does but yeah I'm very excited about Sandy and I remember texting you all watching the highlights of the development camp tournament and just saying like he's everywhere like he was everywhere on the score sheet uh gritty goals some snipes too like yeah he's got a good shot too Not he was just... coming along towards the end of last year like you said so he's definitely going to be battling it, it, it hurts so bad to lose Allison man because the way he was coming along uh, the what do you have? Fourteen games last year or something like that. Fourteen, yeah. And in those fourteen games, he really brought some spark to the team. People already had him penciled in the lineup for Christ's sake. People already, I mean, for good reason. He probably was going to make the lineup, but off the bat, like just after those fourteen games, he was in everyone's mock lineup. Everybody's yeah. immediately. And um, yeah, man, it really hurts because we know how much of a character he is, and we know what he's been through already to get here. Like I remember, it seemed like when we were watching him dominate camps like last year. We're like, oh, it's so good to finally see him healthy, healthy. and in action. I I, he, he was talking about it in – I'm sorry to cut you off. He was talking about it in his his press conference, his media availability throughout the entire rookie and development camp. He was like, yeah, it's really nice to like go through this summer and not have a injury kind of lingering over me while, as I prep and get ready for the season, as I train. And then now for this to happen to him, a guy that was, like you said, probably going to make the team out of camp, it really sucks. I mean, just to – what he brings to the locker room too. Did you see the interview we had with Frost? I mean that that shit was funny as hell. Like he was oh yeah, acting we, as of course reporter. we got a kick out of that one. Yeah, yeah. 
what he did he grabbed her yeah he grabbed the mic and he was like oh yeah have for all he was like he's like a little wait, wait he's here like, he's like wait here you look a little bigger there eh he was like you put some you put some pounds on <laughs> like just shit like that just to, what he brings to the the locker room it just it does suck seeing a guy like that go down you gotta you can't, you can't not root for a guy like Wade Allison dude I wish we get one I wish we got one of those behind the glass documentaries every single year. I would have loved one this year. This year would have been oh, no. freaking awesome to go through that training camp. Because you, everyone's fired up, man. It's the tone of everyone's interview. Listen to any player or front office worker go on a podcast, and they will all say the same thing. Like, Chuck went out, did what he said he was going to do. Everyone's excited to get going. That's actually one of the quotes that I wanted to read to you from AV in his media availability today. He was talking about the management. He goes, management has done their job now. Now it's time to do ours. And it's something that we've heard AV, I mean, obviously AV just say, it's something that we've heard Sanheim say when he signed his contract and he met with the he met with the, the media. So it's kind of a thing, like you said, it's going around the organization. The guys are saying the same things. We're seeing all 20 of the active roster on the ice before uh, rookie camp hits the ice. And that happened at like 10 o'clock, I believe they hopped on the ice, 10-15. So those active roster guys are out there at 9, 9.30 getting work in. And it's not just five of them. It's 20 of them, plus goalies on the ice before that. So these guys are willingly heading to the rink because they want to get the work in. They want to get things going. They're excited for the season to start. And it's... You can see it, like you said, and everyone's talking about it. You can see it from the management when they talk. You can see it from the coach. Everybody looks refreshed, too. I mean, Frost talked about it in his, in his. Uh, I think it was his interview with, was it Tarion Hatcher, Dan? Yeah, it was uh, Tarion Hatcher. I believe Jordan Hall's on that podcast yeah, as well, but Jordan, it was just Hatcher interviewing. Yeah, that was an awesome interview, by the way. But Frost was just like being able to come into rookie camp and, and being a lot more comfortable and just knowing what to expect. And this year has just been a lot more easier, obviously now less restrictions for the guys. It's just, it's it's nice to see that everybody is ready to get things going. And it kind of seems everybody's on the right page. I mean, on the same page. So I'm ready. Agreed. And it's really telling to me when new additions like Broussard, Yandel, and Atkinson come in and they're asked like, is a big reason why you're excited is because you're playing with your friends and then they kind of brush that off every time they're like yeah that's cool but if i have plenty of friends in this league i can go anywhere to play with friends i came here i'm excited because this team wants to win and that's why you see these guys coming here on one year vet minimum deals it's it's solely to just win to just go on a run it's beautiful to me like we just said it's just the energy around the team right now the fact that they're all ready to get back into it the fact that just everyone seems to be on the same page is really exciting for us, the fans, the media, everybody involved. It just seems like they want to put last year behind them. They don't think last year was actually who they are, so I'm ready to get ready to get going. You want to talk about who you think the seventh defense was going to be real quick before we start talking about two C? Um, probably yeah, Adam I mean, Glendening, right? I. I guess so. Unless they go out and go grab somebody. So we'll keep everybody updated if they go and do that. But as of right now, I mean, you got Provorov, Ellis, Sandheim, Ristolainen, Yandel, Braun, and it would have been Morin as the seventh defenseman. But now, obviously, it won't be York or Zamula. I mean, I've seen people throw Zamula out there. It's not going to be Zamula. 
they're not going to use York or Zamula in that kind of in that kind of way. It so just doesn't make sense. No, yeah. they're not going to do it. Bottom bottom line, they'd be crazy to. Um, but that leaves you Adam Glendening or Nick Sealer, who yeah, I mean Nick Sealer is a Minnesota guy, but he hasn't played since twenty uh, 2019, So unless they go out and grab somebody, Adam Glendening is your guy. That's your dude. Unless you want to see another. I don't know who else they'd bring up. Nah, me either. It's kind of at a loss now. Like it's it's gonna be a penciled in phantom at this point. Someone who we thought was going to be an AHL body is just gonna be sitting there until we either go out and get somebody. Or I mean, yeah, like you said, they're not gonna put a young guy in there. So it's either gonna be a penciled in phantom or they're gonna go out and sign somebody for cheap. Like you're not gonna go put Linus Hallberg out there or Mason Millman or Wyatt Wiley. I'm not going to put any of those guys out there. So, yeah. Let's get into the questions because we got quite a few. Yeah, let's do it. Rice Cypher, over under 96 points, and where do you see them finishing in the Metro? Over. Right away. Oh, yeah, over. over. I'm, a bet- I'm a betting man, and if, if that's a line on, on FanDuel right now, I'm taking it. Absolutely. Definitely will take that if I see that anywhere. I think definitely over 94 points. And where they finish in the Metro, um, what do you think they're going to finish? Uh, I think they're going to give me some pause. They're going to be a, I think they're going to be a competitive team this year. Better than last year, obviously. I mean, you can't really go anywhere but up from last year. I mean, those, those were fucking brutal. Mm-hmm. But, um, maybe third or fourth. I got third. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of a comfortable third, though, like there's some separation. We know that we're going to be playing two going into the playoffs. That's my prediction. And we're going to be gearing up for that team. Probably going to be like the fucking Islanders or some shit. We'll know. Hey, I hope I'm completely wrong and we're a a really, really, really good team right off the bat and we're number one. But absolutely. Just with the injuries and stuff, like, and I know when Hayes comes back, it's going to take him a little bit of time to get back in in the full swing. And just, I don't know, the way that it's all kind of um, unfolding with the injuries to start, I could just tell that it's going to be, it might be a little bit of a feeling out process to start the year. So that's what I'm just kind of accounting for with third in the Metro. I do think they'll get hot late, like they always do. Honestly, I, you know how we've always started out really slow? I think that's going to go away. I think this new, it's not even a new regime, really. It's just the new energy this coaching staff getting the guys that they wanted. AV was right next to Chuck Fletcher this offseason, helping them out, telling them. Because, I mean, they met with each other. We heard uh, we heard AV said it. They met with each other weeks after the season ended to take the uh, emotion out of it, AV said. And they talked about what, needed, what they needed this season. And this is what AV wanted. So it's up to him now for his coaching staff to go out there and get those guys to play they want them to play and get them going. I I, I do think the slow starts are gonna are, aren't gonna be as annoying this year. If that's a hot take, then that's one of my hot takes. I don't think the Flyers will be a lot better with their hot uh, with their slow starts this year than than previous years. Hey, I mean they do start off the year with a four game homestand. And being able to think about it, the last time they were, awesome. we were able to sell out and pack the Wells Fargo Center in full was March 2020. And we remember how the team was playing at that. Do you remember Carter Hart's number? That's interesting. I want to get Carter Hart's numbers from the last time we were able to sell out the Wells Fargo Center because they were 
Remember his home, said, yeah, home and road yeah. splits? Oh my gosh, yeah. He was he, he's almost unbeatable at home. I mean, there were fans there, dude. It's going to make a world of difference this city, dude. It's That team seemed like it was like 15 years ago when I think about it. Why does it seem like that? Because ever since March 2020, we've just been a time vortex. Time really war- have been, dude. Uh, next question, Ryan Conway. What kind of beer should I bring to the TLY tailgate at the home opener? All the beer. And I mean that, Ryan. Yeah. Not just not just beer. <laughs> Don't do not do not keep it at just beer, Ryan. You know what I want you to bring, man. I have no idea what that means, but all the beer and all the alcohol, Ryan. Chris Mayer, where do you see Teomala starting? Oh, we kinda already answered this. AHL or OHL? Drew to center? Who's the seventh D now? I mean, we kind of we kind of hit all these. Um, oh, we, all right, how about you hit the Tuamala one because you didn't answer that, and then, and then we'll go into the Drew at center debate because I have an opinion about that. Yeah, well, I agree with you. Samu should start in the OHL. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think this is like a, a Forrester wisdom situation where those guys were already comfortable. Like those guys had already had stints in the OHL and were comfortable on the North American ice, and then translated it to the AHL. I want to see him get his first stint of that action and dominate the OHL. Like I mean, Forrester and Wisdom also didn't have that, did, didn't have to get used to North American ice because they haven't played on it. Like, they weren't in Europe yeah, exactly. or anything like that. So, yeah, obviously. Um, Drew at center. So, do you have an opinion on that before I get into? Uh, I could easily see it happening given the Hayes injury. But the way they talked about, well, the way AV talked about giving Frost a bigger role like that to me, that just screams he's going to play center. Not even that. When AV was asked about it in this press conference, he was like, "Well, he was like, well, I have guys like Scotty Lawts who's 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 flexible. I have guys like Broussard who's flexible. He goes, I got Frosty who's flexible. He goes, I got guys like Lazinski who's very flexible there. So he's like, so, so I got a lot of guys. And when like when I see him throw out those options instead of just being like, yeah, we're just gonna we're gonna move Giroux over maybe or possibly like he's completely avoiding it. I think there's a reason why Giroux has been moved over to the wing and this point of his career. I think he's best suited there. I think he's best comfortable there. So why move him over when we have guys who can play center? Like, let's try Frost out at 2C. Let's try Lenziski out at 3C. I mean, if worse comes to worse, let's try Lawton out at 3C. Uh, we have we have Nate Thompson. We have we just signed Broussard, who can play both center and wing. Why are we going to move Giroux back to center when we know for a fact there's a reason why he's over there in wing, because he's not a center anymore. He's not a 2C anymore, so I'm not moving him back to 2C. I mean, that's just my opinion. Yeah, for, for years now, he's just a winger who comes in at center for utility faceoffs, and I'm yes. cool with him just maintaining that same role going forward. I mean, like, what'd we sign Broussard for? Lawton, like, what'd we give Lawton $3 million for I mean, Frosty's a highly touted prospect. Let's 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 see what he's got at two C. And if it if it blows up, I mean, then yeah, emergency case scenario, maybe throw Drew at two C. But I mean, we have guys who can be two C. You put Frosty at two C with Drew next to him, and maybe Atkinson next to him. I mean, that's that's two veterans with a highly skilled prospect. I mean, that, that could be really, really fun. We know the chemistry that Drew and Frost had. We saw it when he first came off those six and seven games. I know I know you know about it. Dude, that line has speed, finishing ability, playmaking. 
But then it's got tenacity too. Defensive savvy, penalty killing. Like Drew Nackerson, don't fuck around. So it's got it's got four checking. It's got tenacity. It's got all that shit. Drew's one of the biggest shit talkers in the league, baby. He's so low key with it too. Like you wouldn't know it on the surface. It's 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 when a guy like uh like I specifically remember Tavares, John Tavares, when he was with the Islanders in an interview. Yeah, he saying, said like, it. Right? a little rat. Like, yeah, he just doesn't shut up, doesn't <laughs> stop talking. <laughs> He's not the only NHL player that said that. Like, he, he was like, Drew's dirty. Like, Drew's like a Bobby Clark. Like, you don't really see it because he looks like like this, this nice guy, but on the ice, the dirty like. Yeah, uh, and we see it. Like, I see him throw slashes talk all the time. Oh my right? yeah, I see it all the time. But he's like a shit talker. But you gotta love G, baby. Tim Young hands. Tim. What What will the centers look like if Frost doesn't make the roster? Follow up. Any dark horses for a center spot now? Another one. How do special teams shape up without the likes of Hayes Allison? And will NAK get another chance? All right. So just to start that one off, if if Morgan Frost doesn't make this team now, that that will mean he had one of the worst training camps of all time. <laughs> like, that, that's all I'll say. Like That's all I have to say about that. At, at this point, Tim, I don't know if Tim asked this question before the Hayes news, which he he absolutely might have. But at this point, brother, uh, if, he, if, if Morgan Frost isn't on this team, then we have a huge fucking problem here. Huge problem. He, I mean, yeah. he's my two or three C at this point, man. I'm not just, yeah, I, I get he's missed a, almost a year. He hasn't played in the NHL a bit, but I mean, he looked good in rookie camp. He's back. He's 100. percent He yet he's he's at 190 now. He's added the weight that we need him to add. I, he's 22 years old. I think he's got the skill to kind of make up for the fact that he has to play in, in over a year and a half. And I think that if they put him with two guys, especially with guys like Giroud X, I think he'll be absolutely fine. So. If he's not on this team, like I'm just saying, it's a huge problem. Yeah, have to be an absolute dumpster fire of a training bad, camp. Bad. And yeah. as far as dark horses go, to add to your point where AV listed off those guys who are flexible, I really Forster. don't think there is any dark horses for the center spot. Forrester. He he's a center. I don't think he's gonna take NHL center minutes. Oh no, though. I don't either. But he, I mean, he he's technically a dark horse if that's the question that he's asking. Dark horse for center would be definitely Tyson Forrester. Would be wide well, dude. I'd, I'd cry honestly. <laughs> a How long shot teams? would be Lazinski. A dark horse would be Forrester. I feel like, right? Am I, am I am I thinking of the the word dark horse and like the the wrong term? Isn't um, that like an absolute like bottom of the barrel sleeper pick to to do something? Yeah, I guess so. But it, isn't it like someone who who still kind of has like a. What is this? Dictionary.com? <laughs> yeah. They know what we're talking about. Like, Forrester <laughs> does, like, he'd have to absolutely blow the doors down and send a bazooka through it to make the to team. Dude, which I'm here for. <laughs> which, like, like, which he's not, he's not above. Like, I, he, I could definitely see him doing it, dude. I could definitely could, but I mean that. Yeah, put it this way: like, if, if in a couple days from now we get a bunch of tweets saying that Forrester's lighting up the net, uh, I'm not I'll be, be there. Surprised. So you know, I'll be, I'll be tweeting it. Videos and all, boy. Yep. Uh, third part to that question: How do special teams shape up without the likes of Hayes? Love Allison. this question. It's a great question. Love this question because honestly, I really had Hayes and Agassin as my 
first PK unit with Provorov and Ellis behind them. I think I, I was so ready to go to war with that PK unit, dude. Ready to run through walls with that PK unit. But now that Hayes is out, I think obviously I put Couturier there. I'm good. I didn't have Couturier as my first PK unit, not because, like, obviously he's one of the best PK players in the league, but I just think the Hayes-Ackerson connection was 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 too nice to, to pass up. But now it probably would be Couturier and Ackerson with uh, Provorov and Ellis, and then Giroux. And I think if – not not if. I think Giroux and then Lawton with Sandheim and Risto or, uh, or Braun and Risto would be a – a nice second PK unit, but it definitely shakes things up a little bit. I think you can see Fairby get some PK time. I think you can see Frost get some PK time. They did it in the rookie game. Uh, LaPerriere talked about it. He was like, if I see Frost, I don't want to see him because I want him to make the NHL, but if I see him, he's going to be killing penalties because I think his his skill set really, really works well with that, and I would love to see Morgan Frost kill penalties because he could be like that. That's that scoring threat on the PK if he touches that pocket. Like, if that deflection happens and, like, you can go the other way and he's got a puck on his stick with room with one guy in front of him, then that's dangerous for for uh, opposing defenses. Even with the injuries, I do expect both special teams units to be better. I expect the power play to have better finishing ability. Uh, it's going to be a more fun power play to watch. I feel like the, the, you're going to see better shot selection, essentially, is what I'm saying. And a uh, penalty kill, it's going to suck to miss Hayes. But I do think having a guy, like bringing in a guy like Ellis and guys yeah. like Atkinson and so on is, is kind of going to wash that out and still make it a good unit. Let's get into uh, power play real quick because I don't think we've talked about it on the pod yet. I mean, I've talked about it off off camera a ton with, uh, with, with a ton of people. Where do you... How do you see the first two units playing now? Like who, what's your first unit? Obviously, you got Drew on his wall. You got Yandel at the point? Yeah. Yandel's going to start the year on okay. the first power play unit. JVR net front. The I honestly think the real interesting part comes with the right wall. That's yeah. where the that's where the big that's where it gets fun, right? That's where the question it's mark comes in. Insanely fun, Danny. Cuz who's it going to be? I mean, it really could be anyone who comes in training camp and takes it, in my opinion. Yeah. I it, it could be a number of guys. Personally, I I would put Akis in there to start. I think that would be. I think you're gonna see that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would be an insanely, insanely good first power play unit with Couturier in the middle as yep. the bumper. But that being said, now that Morgan Frost is ultimately a lock to make the team, unless God forbid, knock on wood, he gets hurt, or he has just an absolutely terrible training camp, I think he could definitely be a guy that you see. On that wall because we saw it last year when he did make the team in one of those Buffalo games. I remember when the power play happened, he went to his spot on the right wall and then they cleared the puck and we never saw it again because they never got a power play and then he got hurt. So we've seen him in that spot. Saw him in the rookie camp. Danny, I don't know if you watched those games when he was on the power play. I mean, that first power play, I this was obviously before Hayes got injured, but me watching, kept saying to myself, I obviously I'll want Morgan Frost to make the team. I think he can make the team. But if he doesn't, this could be the Phantoms' number one power play unit because it was Frost, it was Forster on the on Giroux's wall, then it was York on the point with Sandine in the bumper, and then Radcliffe on um, net front. And I was like, this could be easily be the Phantoms' number one power play unit. And this is one of the most disgusting power play units I've ever seen. 
Like the way they were moving the puck, and they were not playing together for a very long time. But the way that Frost can distribute from that side is something that I think the Flyers haven't seen in a really long time. I know, I know Voracek was such a good playmaker, but it's a different kind of distributing that Frost has. It's effortless, and I, I really do think he could be a, a serious option there because not only does he have that ability to distribute the puck the way he can, but his shot would be really, really, really fun to watch there with a guy like Fra- uh, Giroux who can who can set him up. Like you said on text today before the pod, the way they can probably load each other up would be so fun to watch. Another one I'd like to throw in there, imagine Thursday, you're sitting in the bleachers, they're running power play drills, and you see Giroud to Farabee money every time. Yeah, I mean, he's another one that I was going to bring up right after Frost. I think it could be Atkinson, Frost, or Farabee as the... The three guys that you see on that side. I mean, we saw it time and time again. His slap shot seems to get better and better as the years go on. I mean, absolutely lethal. It seems like it gets quicker every year. It's crazy. <laughs> One of Frost, Farabee, or Atkinson. Dude, imagine if you thought you were saying that like six months ago. Nah, four months ago. You're like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe uh, first power play unit right wall could be Farabee, Frost, or Atkinson. I'd be like, wait, hold on. Who's the last guy? Yeah. Who's the last guy, bro? Like, Jason? Where's Ward? <laughs> I'd be like, Jason? Jason Atkinson's back on the fucking team. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, what exactly. the fuck are we doing? I'd be like, damn, they were right. Jason. <laughs> 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 um, well, uh, Bleed Orange and Blast got the next one, right? Yep. Any spicy thoughts on if they make any additional moves placing players on LTIR? I don't think they will. Can I donate my knees for Morin? Best supporting player to put with Frost, G, or someone else. Ready to make the drinks flow with you guys. Let's go. TLY all day, baby. Love you, Bleed Orange and Black. Love you, bros. Can't wait to see you, bro. Yeah, no, that tailgate's going to be very, very fun. We'll get into that as we're wrapping the show up, but... Any, uh, any spicy thoughts on if they can make additional right now? Um, no. I really don't. Honestly, Danny, I'm not going to lie to you. When I was working, when the whole Hayes thing happened, when I first hold, heard the, the quote about like how Hayes wanted to, to be around the guy still, when I first read that, I was like, is, is he out all year? Like, Is this him basically saying, like, okay, I'm not going to be around because I'm going to be out all year, but I still want to be around the guys. But then I, I realized that was just him saying I want to be around the training camp and stuff. But... No, I don't see them doing anything with LTIR. Do you? Nah. Nah, I expect it to just be see what we got now. Yeah. I think, like, like, like you just said earlier, the theme has been Chuck did his part. Now it's time for the guys to do their part and roll the dice and see how it, how it lands. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly how this training camp is going to go. Best supporting player to put with Frost or G. I mean, I was talking to you about this earlier. I, yeah, I will die thinking it's Farabee. I think it's Farabee. You put Giroux with Frost and Farabee. As Giroux declines, Frost and Farabee get better. And we'll be able to break even on Giroux's decline, if you will. And it's going to be the first time Giroux can play with people who have uh, the playmaking ability that he has, yet can also finish his passes at a very elite rate, honestly, with the way Farabee was burying them last year and the way we know Frost released is quick. I mean, anyone who... Yeah. Watch Frost highlights. You know, you know his release is quick. Jim Jim Jackson says it every time he tosses the puck. Every time he shoots the puck, Jim Jackson's like, "Oh, the quick release from Morgan Frost." He's like, oh, he's got those quick hands <laughs> every time. Jim so Jackson he, loves calling. He loves Morgan Frost. Frost. Jim Jackson's a very big Frost fan, dude. 
Um, personally, I mean, I love that line. Danny makes a great case for why he thinks Drew Frost Fairby should be a line, and I'm not arguing against it whatsoever. If that's the line they want to play Vancouver with, then I am completely okay with it. But personally, I think I would go Drew Frost Ackerson because number one, I I always want I've always wanted Drew to be with that sniper that he's been missing. So I, wherever Drew goes, I'm kind of in in my lineups. I'm kind of making Ackerson follow Drew. And now that I've I've kind of landed around Morgan Frost, and I I think it would be a very very dirty line because not only is Drew one of the best playmaking forwards on the team and in the league, but Morgan Frost, that's one of his best traits is his playmaking ability, his hands, his IQ. I mean, he's been compared to Claude, mini Claude Giroux, not by us, but by a lot of people on, on, on Twitter. And I mean, I'm not saying that he's that, but it, Drew and Frost's playmaking ability, their elite playmaking ability together with a sniper, I think could be one of the Best lines in the NHL, honestly. I think that could be an absolutely insane in line. And I think if it went well together, we could see them never, never move from each other. Seriously. But I would love to see it be tried out at least. Oh, it definitely will. You're probably going to see them together whenever they put any kind of line combination to start training camp off. Dank Seltzer says Tyson Forster, third right wing, maybe. We kind of already uh, dove into Tyson Forster. Um, third right wing. I mean, dark horse for like sure. Like I said, he'd have to blow the doors down and then send the bazooka through it for for him to to make the team. But then, like I said before, and like we both said, I could see it. I I I don't think he's on like incapable of it. I really don't. I'm not. Agreed. I'm not putting anything a- behind AHL that kid. season under his belt too. Looked good in the AHL. No, I no, he didn't it. just look good in the AHL. There were at times uh, he, he he wasn't this burner who was like Matthew Barzell going through the neutral zone. He wasn't that. So if that's what people are getting off this, then then no. But I mean, he is really good at protecting the puck down low and like, insanely good. And I don't know if you watched the the mic'd up that the Flyers released, but he was like, "I'm insane at protecting the puck." Like he was talking to <laughs> his teammates. He was like, "I'm." Uh, he was like, "I'm." freaking sick at protecting the puck and like he was joking but it was like, it was right after a puck protecting drill and he he is really good at it and not only what he did did he did at well at development camp he, all year in the ahl especially down low against grown men too as an 18 18 year old kid so I, I mean he would have to just go crazy but i mean crazier things have happened huh for sure and we know we can't put it past this regime like they have shown if someone truly earns a spot or a role, a position, they give it to them. So if, yeah. if he comes out and blows the doors off, like you said, this regime isn't the type of regime to just like stiff arm him after no. that. And so. and the fact, like, hold on. If before these Hayes and Allison injuries, he would have had to go absolutely crazy for them to hand them a spot. But I mean, these players being out, the spot has opened, but obviously they'd have to do a lot more. To, to to get the spot for a guy like Forrester. But it's definitely there. Now, a lot more than it was before. You know what I mean? Like, the, the percentage has gone up a little bit more for Tyson Forrester than it was before. I'm not. It might not be at 50%, but it, it's definitely gone up for him. So 
I'm so fun to follow guys like him, Daniel yeah. Ye, and even Wisdom. Like, man, it really sucks his injury. Yeah, it does that, suck. That's that was a big blow because I'm, I was really excited to watch him play this year. You know what AV also said? I'm sorry to cut you off on the the lines this year, especially starting out training camp. And he said that he wanted to keep the lines through the first five practices and two preseason games the same. That's interesting. That I know. That's why I wrote this down. I, I don't know if I heard it wrong because I went by I went by twice. I was like, okay, is this true? He I, he said I'm obviously gonna like try to find the the right lines, but once I do, I want to keep the f- same lines through the first five practices and then the two for the first two preseason games. The, I guess he wants to find that chemistry and then build it because he. Yeah, I remember last, last year. year yeah, yeah. As I said, I remember last year there was a lot of a. Uh flexibility going on and people getting bumped up and down and mixed matching lines and we, we kind of saw him fall in love with that a little too much too much and switching then, it up and then you got guys like Broussard this year who has actually come out already saying like I don't want that to happen so you can't start off on the wrong foot with your brand new guy who's already been playing for you saying that he doesn't want to flip-flop give him one position and then let him roll with it so that's another thing when like, people keep talking about like this 2c situation and they got Broussard flip-flop and I'm like this guy's already come out and said that he doesn't want to flip-flop this year so can we keep him at one position because once once Hayes comes back he's going to have to move to to wing if we put him at 3c so do you keep him at do you keep him at wing and then find somebody else for center like maybe put uh, Lawton there instead of him and then Frost at 2C like, there are a lot of things that have to fall into place so does Lazinski play at 3C instead of Broussard does he Broussard move the wing and then NAK drops out uh, we'll see final question that comes from Zach Zach Attack yes. do you see any Flyers winning awards this season for example Hart Vesna Ellis Norris or Coot Selke uh no, I'm gonna put money on Frost Caldner though. I'll tell you that much. Cause yeah, I do like not the like the players. Plus ten thousand. I do not like the players he's going up against. I think he's gonna have better years against them. Like who, who's the guy who gives the most trouble? Carl Caulfield it's, it's definitely. Zegers, Trevor Zegers yeah. definitely. But I mean like, Lucas Raymond, Alex Newhook. I'm cool. Nick Robertson. Like I, I think Frost is gonna have a good season. Especially now that he's gonna be, he's gonna be on the team for at least the first two weeks of the season. And if he plays anywhere to where I think, and me and you know Morgan Frost can play because we know the type of player that he is, he's not gonna like they're not gonna take it away from him after two weeks. If we play, if he plays the way we know he can, so. Shit's gotta get mixed up after that happens. I mean, that's just my opinion. Like if. The season starts off and it's October fifteenth and Morgan Frost is playing. I don't think he's ever gonna stop yeah. playing unless he God forbid gets injured again, knock on wood. But I just think it I think it's time for him. Twenty two years old, he's added the weight that we needed him to add. He's ready to fucking go, bro. Like he he, he would have had the full year last year. That's what pisses me off about everything. Like we would have seen what we had in him last year to be a lot more confident. And being able to throw him in two C. Not saying that I'm not not confident, but there are a lot of people out there that are like, oh, I don't even like even now that knowing that Hayes and 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 Allison are, are are gone. There's still people saying, oh, if he makes the team, if Morgan Frost doesn't make this fucking team right now with these guys injured, then there's a huge problem. 
a huge problem because we're not fucking calling Connor Bonneman up. Like, we're going to have to hope Tanner Lazinski's hip is okay because they've been pacing him. They didn't even let him play in both the rookie games this past weekend. So how are we going to expect him to play 3C or, or, or make the team? So we'll see. There are a lot of like Jackson Cates at 3C. That's not going to like – that's two, a 2C? No. The thing that hurts the most about Frost missing that year for me is we've seen – it's honestly with all sports. Like after a player gets their first full real year under their belt, they come back the next year just different. I mean, we saw it with Farabee. Yeah. You see it in all sports. Like a player, a rookie gets comfortable, or like they go through the waters, they hit a rookie wall, and then they come back their sophomore year. They they know more, they're more adapted, it, and they just break out. It's always good. I mean, it's not good, obviously, but it's kind of nice knowing that he is still very very young. Like. Wade Allison is going to be 24 very soon. Frost is still only 22 years old. So the fact that he, I mean, it, it sucks that he missed the year, but he's still got such a, like Frost can be, like there are some players out there that are 24, 25 years old that we, that like people don't know what they are yet. I mean, we got like Wade Allison is a huge question mark and he will be 24 very soon. So he's still got a lot of time. Frost is still young. It's time. He's going he's gonna to have a roster spot now. He's healthy. He's added the weight, like I said. It's time, bro. Hopefully the New Jersey number like we were talking about. I need him out of 48. I need him out of it for multiple different reasons. Just my opinion, but... Oh, yeah, that should be coming. That, that tweet... Am I wrong? What? Like, do you also need him out of that, or am I just... Is that just because Briere is my favorite player um, growing up? Yeah, I would, I would like him out of 48. There's, <laughs> yeah. there's, some, there's something about a camp number that I just like. Even though Gostasper, like he kept his camp number fifty three, there was something about that where I was just like, why, bro? Like, Who why else kept just... your camp number, dude? I don't think a lot of players have. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Like it's one of those things where it's um, you kind of want to wash it off you. You know what I mean? New play, like Farabee came back with eighty six on, and now we, everyone just looks at him different. Yeah. Just... Where do you think he goes with? Just the let's just do that real quick. Because I mean, he's gonna. What we said, make the team unless crazy. You asking what numbers? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna say ten, just because like you said, he said it in interviews before ten or twenty six, and I also really want him to take ten because I think it would be fitting that he is a crucial part of that Braden Shen trade, and I would love it if he just came in and wore ten and was a force in ten. Uh in ten, uh, throwing lobs to Farabee <laughs> would yeah. be the funniest thing in the world. I mean, but. But then when you get hit with Brady Shen's got a cup, as oh if he won by Ruby. himself. <laughs> um, yeah, let's. Uh, that Let me finish that question. Let me finish <laughs> yeah. that question real quick. So the only award I re- realistically seeing someone winning, like <sighs> if I had to, like put my life on it, yeah. is Couturier being in the Selkie nominees. Oh, absolutely. I don't know if he's gonna win it, but that's the most realistic one. What about Ellis Nor- like Norris? I don't think it, that would be. If he does that. If he pops yeah. out of Norris in his first year here. <laughs> Locked up till like 2028, 20, too. That would be crazy. If he did Insane. that, knowing that he'd be locked up in that kind of contract for the next, like, six years. Four years. Wow. I, I'm, I'm, I can't believe someone's 2022. 20, it's kind of crazy. But, like, Ellis, Atkinson, all these guys that we got have worn, like, A's in the past and have been big leaders in their group. Very excited about that, dude. Because we saw last year they relied too much on young oh, talent. They relied on Nolan Patcher coming in and being a contributor. It's it's different this year. I feel like we washed our hands clean of what we needed to wash clean. 
and uh, this training camp on Thursday. It's going to be telling, dude. I can't wait to see. I, it's going to be intense. I, I can feel it through their interviews. Oh, my gosh. It's yeah. going to be an intense camp. It has to be, bro. The entire organization understands that last year was just unacceptable. I mean, like they all seem like they're on the same page with that. So it's going to be a very, very exciting training camp. I'm going to be there. Danny's going to try to be there. If anybody listening is going to be there, just hit our Twitter up. We'll definitely want to meet everyone who wants to, to hang out and watch some flyers. So it's going to be a fun experience. Finally allowed back in the Voorhees skate zone. Masks up, but it should be fun. Absolutely. And you want to add any additional details of home opener stuff, anything like that? Yeah, so I obviously once we get closer to the home opener, details are gonna more more details will emerge. But I'm gonna definitely gonna be down there in the Wells Fargo parking lot early in the morning to set things up. Look for the TLY flag that's gonna be flying. Everybody's welcome. There's gonna be food, drinks, music. I mean everything. It's gonna be fun. Yeah. We'll map it out. Like we'll tweet out. Yeah, I mean official obviously. details. Might even get a graphic for it. I'm going to be there like crazy early. The game doesn't start until, what, 7? So I'm probably going to be there around like 10, 30, 11 to set everything up because I am running like a, like a RV kind of thing. So got to get that set up. Chris is going to help. Shout out, Chris. So it should be fun. Just like you said, follow us on Twitter. I'm sure if you're still listening by now, you definitely do follow us on Twitter and probably keep up. So if you're going, if you're making the drive down, which I know a couple people are, let us know. I mean, I'm going to be there all day, so you're always welcomed. All right, this was a good episode. Hopefully, we're back quicker <laughs> next time. I mean, yeah, now now everything's started up, bro. We might be back Thursday when I get home or when we get home. Oh, yeah. If nothing else, definitely an episode to conclude the weekend and the yeah. end of uh, the camp 70 minutes? The I mean, that's a good one. I'll take it. For sure. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at the Liberty Yo. I am at TLY Danny at Chris Stumpo or at Chris Stumps. I'm sorry. Leave us a good rating on iTunes and go floor.